live. Um, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Excited to be here. Hey, Halloween. You have fun this morning? Halloween, yeah. Uh, I think it was more of uh, me getting excited for Halloween. It was uh, my daughters told me to wear it. I was pretty stoked. Yeah, and put this costume on and was running around and chasing them, my middle child. Now, it's weird to say that. We just, just had a baby. Yeah, uh, go ahead and first off, I'll do the introduction real quick. Yeah. Um, this is episode three of Interviews with Realtors um, by Skylight Tours. I'm here with Robert Quezada at Berkshire Hathaway just to talk a little bit about how he got into it. And he's again, he's more of a traditional real estate agent. He does, because <laughs> uh, the last episode, Philip Beggs was, uh, he does a little bit more of uh, the investing, flipping, and leveraging real estate. And so mm -hmm. this should be a fun conversation with you. Totally, totally different. Yeah. But go ahead and give us a little bit of a background who you are. You're obviously a family man with. Yeah, three kids. With this. Um, let's see, I'm a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-week-old as of last Friday. Um, they're all girls, which no. is uh, crazy. I never imagined being a girl dad. Yeah, um, always had this vision in my head growing up. You know, I've had a, had a son, but man, um, I love those three to death. Um, my wife, Willow. Uh, we've been married for five years, and uh, I've been residing here in North Idaho since 2018. Um, bounced around a couple places. Uh, so that's not too far off the time that you've been married. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I guess I'll get into a little bit of the background yeah, for that, but uh, 2012, I uh, was born and raised actually in Los Angeles, California, West Covina, California, LA County. Uh, born and be afraid to say that on camera, I assume. Uh, I think that's <laughs> a hit or miss. I don't know. I, I feel as if people here, um, I know people were really hard pressed against people from California coming in uh, beginning of COVID, but now, you know, there's a lot of people that have roots there. And I yeah. think, um, it's it's more welcoming, you know, to to know. It's funny. I ran an open house last week, and I asked a couple where they're from, and they wouldn't tell me. Now, how's that? Are you guys from California? And they're like, Yeah, we're actually from Monrovia, which is not too far from where I yeah. grew up. Um, I, I have a very uh, simple way of looking at that. Um, if somebody's from California and they're coming into this area and they're deciding that they're going to plant roots here, is that if you bring bring your politics here, you're going to have backlash. Yeah, it's just as simple as that. If you bring um, the just the non-conservative. I don't want to say, yeah, you know, democratic or liberal. Just non-conservative. If you if you're trying to change the way things are here, yeah, you know, everybody's very proud, yeah, of, of where this town and where the city's gotten to. I think it's just, the, yeah, like you said, the lifestyle behind it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the choice. Uh, people don't want to change anything other than just to live, laugh, and love. Um, yeah, I'll put it in the most simplest terms. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's where I'm from. I'm from. Uh, there and uh i grew up an avid baseball fan and um loved baseball and i played baseball through my high school career and then uh had an opportunity to play co small collegiate ball at um, corbin university it's a small university it's actually a private school in salem oregon okay um the reason i'm telling the story because it adds up to my move to Coeur d'Alene, but um i met uh my roommate there at the time i didn't know who he was but uh he lived in Hayden, Idaho, which if you put Idaho on a map, I couldn't even point it out to you. Yeah. That's how small-minded I was when I was in high school. Um, well, I think anybody thinks of North Idaho, they think Coeur d'Alene, not Hayden anyways. So. There's such a preconceived notion behind Idaho. People think potatoes and people yeah. think that oh, yeah. French fries here or like, I don't know. That's just the the vibe when I told people, um, some of my friends when I moved back um, to LA, 
that they thought I was, you know, a potato lane person. <laughs> I like that. It's just so weird. And I think uh, if, if you've ever, if you've never been here, you know, your eyes are wide open and it's, yeah. it's a fun experience to uh, get out of that box or that bubble that I consider a lot of uh, people from California think that mm-hmm. um, they're in. So yeah, I went to school in 2012, met, met my roommate um, who uh, happened to have a sister at the time. Didn't know it until then, but a um, couple years later, um, I ended up having a crush on her. Me and my roommate were best friends. That's not your wife now, right? It is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess long story short, you know, and um, you know, my my roommate is now my brother-in-law, um, and then his wife um, <coughs> coming to to be a part of their their marriage, and in, in terms of like seeing them grow up in mm-hmm. uh, you know their relationship and it flourish, and I was part of the the best man of their wedding is just so cool like a, a, a inner circle friendship that all three of us had um in college that was just connected i i guess by accident mm-hmm. you know for me playing college ball and then we just happened to all by be, chance yeah all become good friends and then uh ended up getting to know um his sister at the time pretty well and i uh didn't ever think that she would like me but um she did for some odd reason and um yeah we decided that we didn't want to live in la or or Oregon and, and Idaho was going to be the way to go. And so I moved to Coeur d'Alene. Uh, I proposed to her and then, um, lived with, uh, oh, so you, you proposed up here. Yeah. Yeah. So I drove, um, at the time I was living in Salem for a bit, uh, drove seven hours and, uh, surprised her and proposed her up, uh, over at English point. And that was, uh, that was an interesting experience. That was pretty stressful. Um, and why was it stressful? Just a lot of planning and just the, the I guess, the doubt of you go into it thinking that, like, there's a possibility of her saying no, but no, you, you, know, yeah. you, you have reassurance through trust. Um, and that's what was awesome about it is, you know, you just have this, like, little little bit of doubt in your head, but you, you know with full confidence that she's going to say yes. It's just that little little guy that you got to have that day. Yeah, so we, uh, we uh, ended up getting married in uh, 2018, the summer of 2018, and then uh, was it probably... So we found out I was uh, we were pregnant with our first one. I was gonna say, yeah. Tell me about your kids. Yeah, especially so your family. My oldest uh, name is Wynn. Um, she's four. I uh, found out she was pregnant when I was um, at basic training, actually, for the army. So how do you spell Wynn? So W Y N N E. Oh, cool. Cool. so there's an E at the end. I knew it was probably W Y N. Yeah, that's what I was imagining in my head. Yeah, it's kind of like the hotel down in Vegas, but with an E. I'm probably gonna. My wife's going to be like, why did you explain it like that? I had a hotel in Vegas. Kind of funny. And uh, yeah, we, she's, she's awesome. It's, it's so crazy when you have kids, um, you know, you never think that they're almost a, a, an exact representation of you, but, mm-hmm. but have their own like twist of personality. So like when is very uh, independent, um, she's strong. Um, she's very like, like focused even at a young age and she's, well, now you have the three to kind of compare and contrast as they get older. It's so it's crazy. Cool. It's so crazy. And and just the, the eye-opening, um, I guess, uh, like vision that you see through them is is not what you had imagined it to be. So yeah. like like I said, Wynn is like me, um, but she's also very, very, very um, gentle in her spirit. And what I mean by that is she's She's just loving that, that girl will, will love. Um, I mean, uh, her sister hit her head the other day on the bunk bed and she was crying for her because she, she was sad that she got hurt. Um, so, but yet she's the one that, that is like 
you can't tell me not to do that because I'm going to do it. Like, I'm yeah. going to prove you wrong. She's the most, is not rebellious, but stubborn? Is that the best word? Yeah, I would, I would say she's 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 a, yeah. My, my wife's going to be like, what are you talking about? She gets that. So, yeah. yeah, she's like, she, she is really stubborn, um, but she's such a sweetheart. She's so gentle. And um, my second one, her name is Eleanor. Um, Eleanor. She, she is too. So yeah. Wayne and Eleanor. Yeah, she is oh. funny. She cracks me up. She is uh, not like, I don't feel like it. <laughs> any of us she's just like her own personality she's the type of person that can just entertain herself um whenever and wherever uh she doesn't need friends she doesn't she doesn't need somebody like keeping attention for her no she's just like on her own mission she's like has her own agenda and does her own thing um she's funny because i don't know if you if anybody here can relate to drake and josh i drake and josh and i was little there's a character in them by the name of crazy steve and i I coined her to be crazy Steve in our family because it's like with Eleanor, you just don't know. Like she's, yeah. she's very like strong willed, strong headed, but if she does not get her way, oh man, she'll let you know. Yeah. She'll let you know quick. And it's, it's just funny because she is not um, emotional at all. Like my, my, uh, like when, so it's funny to see them um, interact and, and, and she's like more intellectually driven than she is like emotionally driven. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I, I wouldn't even go that far because I know her development um, still in the process. I would say, though, that she does have an advantage over somebody who is a two-year-old now with no older siblings. So you know they're, they're going to eventually watch this when they're a little older. <laughs> and they're going to be like, they're insane. They're gonna... first off, why did you come out of the tiger suit? Second, yeah. why are you talking about this? That's what they're going to say. They're going to be like, oh, my dad, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I would just say that, that Eleanor has definitely has a step ahead of a lot of other kids because Wynn is... is um, because of Wynn and just because she hangs out with her and that's her buddy. So, um, I mean, she speaks full sentences pretty clearly. Um, and she's very, uh, I don't know. It almost seems like she's purpose driven with what she does yeah. daily, as opposed to like, like watching other two year olds, especially we go to, we go to like navigating the darkness where she's got a flashlight. Yeah. That kind it, of a thing. And it's weird. Cause you know, I, we go to the park a lot, so I do a lot of observation and I sit there and watch other kids, and yeah. it's just like she, she. If you have an older sibling, it almost like makes you superior in that moment, I guess, through your adolescence. And I think it's entirely on how that older sibling is raised. Because I think if you have an older sibling that just doesn't want the competition with the other siblings, then they actually end up kind of disconnecting from that second child. Yeah. And then you have a feud instead of a right collaboration. And I think that's what it's so awesome to see is when is so accepting and loving of her little sister that um, Eleanor doesn't really have to like like worry about um, being left out. It's yeah. if Eleanor decides to not hang out with Wynn, that's her decision. But Wynn is always accepting of Eleanor. So it's so sweet. I think they're, they they uh, they are so funny together and they crack me up. I can tell they've consumed a lot of your life in a good way. Yeah. Uh, very no, good way. And you just had that third one. And we so just had a third one. Just how long ago is that now? That was, uh, so last Friday would be three weeks. Um, she was born. Um, First off, congratulations. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's so funny. Uh, again, other girl. Her name's Murphy. Uh, the, let's see, the the name choice behind that is. Yeah, so I was just going to ask. I was trying to find a connection to like Eleanor Wynn. Yeah, the, it's funny. Actually, it just straight up Interstellar. I don't know if Well, yeah. That. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, so. Um, we uh, had a couple, it, it was pretty tough. Um, again, kudos to my wife. She's amazing. She's a trooper. And I think uh, I will go on here and tell you men who have lives that are, that have um, gave birth to your children. 
<laughs> like I'm so grateful for her. Like she is my like rock and my support and um, the stuff that she's not only gone through physically, um, but mentally. Uh, and it's, it's tough. Um, we had a couple of miscarriages in, in between each kiss. So no, it's okay. And it's, it's, uh, I think it's harder to wrap my mind around and I'll, I'll just be honest. Cause that's who I am. You know, it was, it was a little bit more confusing for me during those times. Cause I didn't know, you know, I didn't carry the baby. I didn't have an emotional connection to that. You had the empathy obviously to try. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's difficult is like, you almost feel, um, helpless because yeah. you, you can't you literally can't do anything as a, as a husband. Um, so it's, it was really difficult during those times and is hard for me to wrap my head around as to like, you know, she would, um, vet her feelings to me and I'm trying to like cope with her at the same time. But it's like, mm -hmm. I, I, I could almost couldn't give her the, this, I felt hopeless for her in a sense that like, I couldn't give her the security she needed, yeah. you know, because it's just like, I, I didn't know how to bring that. And it's, um, oh man. I, yeah, uh, I think that's entirely called empathy. Yeah. And I think that's all it was. Yeah. Is that, that's the truth is that you can't, you can't put yourself entirely in her shoes, but it's that yeah. instinctive desire to want to try, to try to, ex to at least understand the experience that she's going through. Most men are not like that. Like, yeah. It's tough. Not. It's tough. And that's, uh, I guess that's, you know, the, the, the name of the game, um, we live life. Um, but you know, we, we never forget those moments and like, you know, leading up to, the end of the pregnancy you know, obviously there's some, some nervousness because of the what had previously happened um but yeah the the name murphy just came from interstellar we liked it um we thought it would be fun to to name her that and uh, it's it's a little bit unique yeah um but yeah they're they're crazy they're they're so it's it's just chaos in the, yeah. in the house right now so it's 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 uh interesting um right now i'm taking paternity leave. I didn't take any time off for my first two. So I'm really trying to focus at staying at home and, um, not that real estate's on the back burner right now, but it's, it's more or less, it's, it's, uh, kind of just walking with me in a sense of yeah. me putting it up front first. Uh, so, so let's go ahead and start that transition then yeah. into real estate. So, um, we'll just, I'm going to ask the question, how do you balance your life? Cause obviously you, you have a, a high dedication and invested dedication into your family's life and to being there for your kids and your wife and not just being this absent father that's that's just disappearing you know every morning to anything um how do you balance that out with real estate on a typical basis not with just having had a new girl three weeks ago yeah i think um the biggest thing is coming to planning and preparation that that's what it comes down to uh i think let's let's ask this first yeah how do you balance it not not in the method but how in how do you allocate time for your family versus versus for your business is it 50 50 is it so in, in a regular uh, aside from like you said having the the newborn kid mm -hmm. uh, yeah in a, in a typical instance yeah um our focus so my wife doesn't work she's a stay-at-home mom our focus is is uh you know this is a sole like income uh driven um uh, part of the business that, that I take care of. So I, I am going to make sure that my family is secure in doing that. So on a typical morning, what it would look like is I'd probably get up at around seven from the girls. Um, and then I'll feed them. I'll set them up ready to go. And then I'm out of the door by seven 45 to get here at the office at eight, mm. uh, priorities. It, it really honestly, and I think a lot of agents could, um, correlate with this, but it, it just really depends on the previous day. 
Um, if I'm under contract with the fee deals, then, hey, did I get the disclosures or everything that I need? To, where am I at during inspection? It's appraisal happening. Um, almost in a sense, your, your checks and balances. So um, that gets completed first. Um, after that, prospecting. Hey, who have I followed up with? What listings are coming up? What buyers are coming into town? Can I break it down even more of that? Do I need to go out in prospect? Mm -hmm. um, and that's usually done the, the day before, before I, I head out of the office. Um, and then really the rest of the time is spent um, either researching property or um, pushing out property to either investor clients or um, clients who are looking to buy or even just touching people on, on listings. Hey, here are listings going. And then um, lastly, a time block two to six every afternoon for strictly showings or appointments. Okay. That's it. So I was going to say, I thought you were going to say family time. No, like that's no, a weird time. <laughs> time. No, 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 no. So two, two to six, and then it, it changes because, again, you, you have people that work, you know, up until five o'clock, so they can't okay. see the house till 7.30, 7 o'clock at night. Yeah. So then what, what ends up happening, and I think um, I struggle with this too, is is managing that time after the 6 p.m. I really try to make it a habit as like 6 p.m., I'm, I'm done answering my phone and I actually set the expectation up. On and I think this is what sets you very similar, similarly with my sister, Courtney. <laughs> she does, I think it's actually around the same time, six or seven or something like that. Yeah. She's got her gym hour and then she, she's, you know, she's reserved during that time. And then, but she's willing to show houses even if it's after that. She's just yeah. got certain time blocks that she has to kind of like very strictly dedicate to her family. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's an expectation that I set up on my voicemail actually oh, okay. that, that states that, hey, like, from eight to six, I'm available. After six, it's harder for me to get back to you. And if it's urgent, I can, I can get back to you, but it'll have to be either through text or after 8.30. Cause... So do you have anything set up for your texting system that way? So I something... don't actually, I don't. It's just it's just me uh, replying to the text itself. Um, I don't have an automated uh, message stating that I'm out during that time, mm -hmm. which I mean, it'd be a be better idea to ask you because <laughs> I know your systems are amazing. Yeah. And I'm so I use a I use a system that that does that for me. Yeah, it allows me to basically state that I'm in office or out of office. And since I don't really have an office, it's more of just whether or not I'm available. Sure. And so I've got two different avenues now. I've got one that's dedicated to just the members like you. And you and I obviously have already talked about that whole process on how, you know, if you see me available, text me through that and I'll get back to you first over everything else. Yeah. Um, but then I have that second system just in case I'm not available or like, you know, this morning I was up in St. Mary's and so there's a good amount of that drive. I'm not even in service. Right. And so I wanted, if somebody texts me, I, I want to show them that, that I do care about the message that just came in. I didn't mean to ignore you or, or to leave it on red. So I just have a little automated system that says, hey, somebody with Skylight support will be with you shortly. The cool part about that system is that it's all team oriented. So I actually have my uh, assistant and then my other marketing consultant. They can all get together within this and respond for each other. Pick it up. That's awesome. And so it allows us to get back quicker. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You gotta show me that. Yeah. Time. I will. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's it's a separate business number that yeah. you can um, have routed from your personal number. So like if, if a call comes into that business number, you can actually have it routed to your, your personal phone. That would be super and cool. so yeah. Really convenient. It allows you to separate that business number from your personal life. Yeah. Which I think that I'm going to speak to you honestly. I think that you're on the up. So I yeah. think that you probably should think or consider doing that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think growth is the biggest factor. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the name of the game in real estate. If you're not growing or moving with the market, you're you're not going to survive. Yeah, and I think that's life in general. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's anything to do specifically with the market. I think that if if you're not moving, then life is going to, regardless, Sierra, you're going to naturally get left behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I 
I, it's so, so different for me. Cause I actually, I, I love real estate so much and it's, it's, it's bad at a point. Cause I, I almost am like addicted to it. Like it's, 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 a, it's an obsession, you know, like bad thing. Yeah. Like, like, um, I was, I had a conversation with my cousin, my cousins, um, out of Florida and, uh, he moved his window washing company to test out a completely new theory and market. And he wanted to see if he can make it in a state that doesn't even know him. He went to Chicago. Oh, um, okay. He made quite a bit of money over there and he, he proved himself, you know, to, to be a valuable asset in the community over there. And, uh, we were talking about, um, the different stages in a company and how, uh, their his, his employees, are looking at it from a, a, a aspect of like, you know, they're, they're putting in the work, they're, they're working hard, but you know, there, there's just a, a, a tad bit more that needs to be completed to, to get to that next level. And he goes, it, it feels as if I'm the only one that cares about that is me and the business partner. And so I, I had said, have you ever thought that it's because your employees have it invested in their blood, sweat, and tears into yeah. the startup into doing the hard, um, lifting and putting the puzzle pieces together to get the company yeah, on but the it didn't have that ownership feel yeah they don't have this as yeah. mine i want this to grow yeah. i never feel right and so he said so he was telling me he's like i just don't get that that i don't mm-hmm. get the concept behind uh he, he called it not being a first right yeah it yeah i like that way of putting it yeah. um to me it's uh it's the process or the transition from somebody that's he's obviously very entrepreneurial and so he's somebody that's going through the the phases of of what it is to be an entrepreneur and i think the first step is just taking that leap taking that leap from being somebody that just lets the world control your decisions and then all of a sudden taking charge and saying no no i'm gonna i'm gonna make a difference from the way that makes sense to me yeah and then you do that and you you start to gain ownership just from that ownership on every one of your decisions not just what you own but every single one of your decisions you start to give yourself credit for it so the yeah. credibility on the self-perception side of things starts to increase um but there's such i think a pride in that that the, the hardest transition after that is is to learn to delegate Right. I feel like that's kind of where I'm at as well. It's like, I know that my company could grow. I know that we have quality content. I know that our, our customer service is top notch. And I know that people love working with us. They love talking with us. But it's that, okay, I have to let go of some of this. I have to give somebody else the opportunity to make mistakes with the reputation that I've built so that they can learn and then they can build a reputation of their own as well. That's It's a tough transition. I love that though, because it, it's... it's uh... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna relate it to the military. So it, yeah, uh, I'll yeah. Go ahead and first off, let everybody know that you're military. Yes, just in a brief ten seconds or so. Sure. So I uh, enlisted in the National Guard, Idaho National Guard, here in 2018. Um, I went to become an officer, became an officer, and now I'm a first lieutenant for the uh, um, for. I don't know what you would call it, like station out here is what people would know it as, but it, it's a recruiting station unit. No, it's an actual like company. Um, different hierarchies and levels think of like uh like amazon um there's that that itself is like amazon in itself oh, okay. um or like a company having like different levels of like uh different franchises yeah we're over here in post falls um with our company we're like uh we're like a trucking company we provide fuel and water and a lot of assets oh, to, okay. to people who need it on the battlefield is what one it is so we we provide you know transportation we provide um Food, water, you name it. Uh, Amazon is, I use that because there's another company down in Boise that provides uh, repair parts. Um, and and it's just a whole like, uh, 
I guess there's a civilian side to that. That's how it related. Is that does that take a lot of your time as well? Does it, it does on the officer side? It does. It takes a, it takes probably an extra ten to fifteen hours um, a month. So probably a couple hours a week. It, it just depends on the task at hand. Yeah, which is I mean, and it sounds like it's not that much time, but with the amount that you actually have on your plate, you know, with your family and, yeah. and taking care of your your obligations that you've obviously set forth here, it's another thing that yeah. takes you away from. From the other priorities no it's it's funny to to have the checks and balances I, I i think the biggest thing though is is again um i signed up for the job so i i gotta pro- i gotta provide the 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 end product is what it, what it is so um uh, the only person i can kick in the butt is me because yeah. i'm the one who did it you got to fulfill your commitment yeah at the end and of the so day. i think that's just a, a being a good man thing too so <laughs> well i also think too i mean it's my job and and uh i like to do everything 100 percent. if i can't do 100 percent, i i really um pick myself apart um and i always have this uh, we call it in aar in in the army it's an after action review it's Hey, what uh, I've seen that abbreviation. Yeah, so it's it's like what happened, what was supposed to happen, and then give three positives and three improves that you can freaking. That should be something that's implemented into everybody's typical day. Isn't that crazy? Typical way of seeing their own lives. Yeah, I think it's funny because uh, when you go through army stuff, you can relate to other people who have either served or are currently serving, and you have these memories that are are really hard to explain to somebody who's never been through. Um, they call it the, the suck and it's just, it's not fun, you know, um, yeah. doing some of these operations, being up 24, 48 hours and being in the desert, being cold, um, you know, in a sleep sack and conducting and falling asleep on trying to stay awake, falling asleep on your weapon. Like it, there's times like those that, that you, you laugh about, but you don't realize the foundation or building blocks that the army builds out in the civilian world. And that being one of them, mm-hmm. um, I think we were talking offline earlier, you know, about the the op order and the TLPs that we use as officers to plan and prepare for every single mission. Um, using that on a daily is like, yeah. like, hey, like, ultimately, you can plan out the best day ever. Is it going to go that way? I guarantee you not. Can you explain real quick, just for the audience's sake, um, what that means, TLP? Yeah, so um, the Army breaks it down into what's called an operations order. So essentially think of like getting an order from your boss, right? You're the assistant manager and then your manager comes in and it's like, hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So then you as the assistant manager or the platoon leader, in this sense, um, you come up with a plan of attack on how you're going to conduct the mission. And then within that plan of attack, um, you have what's called your troop leading procedures. Um, it's an eight-step process. Um, basically just going over how you're going to um, where like think of like who what when where and why those are the biggest things that you want to give out so now you as the assistant manager gather your teams and being like hey this is these people are doing this at this time this people are doing that at that time this is where we're receiving this is where we're moving um, and correlating all the parts um, I think the most important part though that a lot of people don't realize that you have to be the most um, proactive on is the last step, which is supervise and refine. And I say that because I see a lot of people, um, again, plan their day out mm-hmm. perfectly. Again, I, I've never seen a perfect day. Have I had days where that like, Hey, that actually went, just, yeah. went, went to plan, you know, yeah. that went perfect. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I've had, mm-hmm. you know, I have quite a few of them, but there's plenty of days where it's like, Hey, you get a phone call and you're, you know, in the middle of something important but you have somebody either coming in town and needing to see a property or 
you need to meet a buyer somewhere or your inspector is asking you to open this door or um hey your your tire went out what you it's, it's, and I th we touched on this offline but this is uh that i'm just going to go ahead and restate it for the yeah. Uh, the philosophical twist on how you actually are supposed to be, or not, I don't like saying those words, supposed to be, um, but how you are able to stay in the moment and simply allow your decisions to not be made before the moment has come. Right. I think that's exactly what that's doing is that we only have the information that we have right now. As time progresses and more moments come, we'll have more information. So we need to start changing those decisions and yeah. we need to start recognizing that they need to be increased and innovated on. Right. Um, and so it's a very... Uh, Eastern philosophical way of saying it, mm -hmm. um, but it's exactly that, is that you don't sit here and, and trip yourself over stress and anxiety because those are two symptoms, and I wouldn't say symptoms, but abilities of the human that we can use but right. not allow it to take over us. Yeah. And so if we look at, um, you know, if we have too much anxiety, it can just be a warning sign that something's a little off and we need to be a little bit more attentive. Something's, yeah. you know, if you're out hunting and you're back in the hunter-gatherer days and you were out in the forest and you've heard a, a branch crack, that anxiety gives you a little bit of a wake-up call. Like, okay, something's not right here, and that's a, a tool for your psychology. Um, and so it, it, where was I? Uh, yeah, so it's allowing, as you progress throughout the day, to not say, oh, I wonder if this client is going to, you know, get mad from what I have to tell them. Oh, my God, are they, are they going to leave? Are they going to go, you know, start spreading bad stuff? All of a sudden, what you're doing is playing with false realities in right. your mind, and you're getting emotionally attached to those. Right. So if you allow yourself to simply... Uh, I am who I am. I am the best of what I can do with the information that I have, and I will progress my life in that way accordingly. Yeah, that's exactly what the TLP in the military, at least the way that I'm, you know, perceived. No, no, you're 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 right, and it's it's. Uh, I mean, you couldn't have said it better. It's being in that moment though, and how you react is almost in a sense how you're going to see somebody's true, uh, I guess, self being or inner workings. Uh, you know, the decisions that they yeah. make. Uh, who they actually are, not the ego that they right. usually attach themselves to for identity purposes. Yeah. During that moment of acute stress. Yeah. You know, when you, when the, it's, it's not a matter of who you are in that moment, it's a matter of the, the decision that's made. Yeah. And I'm guilty of, of, you know, uh, a day going perfectly that I planned out, you know, the night prior, um, to being completely upset and losing my, my stuff you know, in the parking lot or like in, in just the moment. Right. So I'm guilty of it. And I think we all are. Um, it's how we learn from, from those mistakes of like, Hey, you know, let's, let's, we can be upset. Um, when I first joined real estate, I was with a team and a team leader. I'm going to shout him out. His name's Seth Weiser. He's with the uh, other reconciling. Yeah. So ladder real estate. Uh, he actually taught me what's called a five minute funeral. So in that, in that moment, you in a sense, either have your frustrations. You can feel sorry for yourself. You could um, do what you need to do to gather your thoughts and, and recoup from from either your loss. Uh, that can be uh, maybe you didn't get the buyer, you didn't get the contract uh, accepted, uh, you lost the listing. Um, you're like I said earlier, you have a flat tire and you're frustrated. Um, but in those five minutes, you're you're allotted this this uh, because we're 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 human. We're emotional, and and, and I get it. I have frustrations. Um, emotional doesn't always have to be crying or, um, that's kind of how I saw it growing up. But, uh, you know, I, I do, am a, I'm emotional in the sense of like, I get really angry and I get flustered and, um, you know, but I could take that moment and then take a deep breath, take a step back and then look at the, uh, the situation and assess it. Okay. What do I need to do now to get from point A to point B now that my, my day has gone completely to the, the left or the right, I have to figure out in this moment 
what I have to do to get to the main step. step up or are you going to allow it to take you down? Right. The thing? Right. And I think, uh, I guess I could relate it to the military, to, to real estate. I think that's how a lot of my, my, my day goes. Right. Um, yeah. So within real estate, especially and yeah. the days are very rarely consistent. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough to navigate through. It's, it's hard. I remember when I first started, uh, I was in the heat of the market of 2021. Um, I was going to start. It was tough. And I, I don't even know, I couldn't tell you why as to like, like I happened to be in that place at the right time, but you know, I was put in that moment. I joined the team. Um, I was, uh, focused primarily on just working with buyers and it was, and it was so hard to to get people into homes during that time, and and the amount of no's that I heard from people just wears you down um, day after day, week after week. And being a completely brand new agent, who at the time uh, I had my California number, so you can imagine uh, the uh, the uh, the nice conversations I had with a lot of people here when they saw that number pop up, and you know me asking them if they're interested in buying a home or selling and uh it was it was pretty tough and it and it wears on you almost makes you it there was a point in in the my short real estate career that it, i wanted to quit um yeah. because of that you know it, it it gets in your head and then you start doubting yourself you, you don't believe in yourself um i think when i look back on it now i i could have um i guess broken down the situation even further but i was so caught up in my emotions that i didn't really like like think I can do it anymore. I don't know. It was it was uh, it was an interesting time. It's interesting how we captivate ourselves with the negative viewpoints or the negative ways to see things because mm -hmm. we almost get comfortable with them. Right. Like it's it's clear to us that obviously this is not the only way to see things. And, and to me, it's entirely mindset, just emotionally influenced. Sure. And that's why it's difficult to get out of is that your emotions are keeping you pushed into that rut, mm -hmm. um, and you're focusing now all your conscious attention and energy on those emotions rather than the logic, which is to what you should be focusing on. But I also think that you're right. The emotions are a natural human thing. So it's not that we should try to avoid them or tr try to eliminate them from, from our... We wouldn't be human if we didn't have them. Yeah. You know, just as much as we have the hatred and the anger, we have the joy and the happiness. And that's those are both different sides of the spectrum of emotion. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think in that, in that five-minute... What did you call it? Five-minute funeral? Yeah, five-minute funeral. Yeah. I, I think that... Uh, that's a, an excellent way because it's, again, it's accepting it and embracing it, but yeah. then taking control of it and, and moving yourself forward from that. I yeah. That. It almost like forces you to make a decision after you're done with your little, uh, can see fit, I guess yeah. you can say, you know, yeah. and, and it's like, yeah, you're a little tantrum. Yeah. And, and that's okay. And I've realized that I, I mean, we've, we've, uh, had my ups and downs this year and it's and just like everybody else, it's been an interesting market. And, uh, I think the biggest thing that I've walked away from you know, as we look to 2024 and from 2023 is, is actually like coming from a place of, of care, right? Like asking the right questions, but actually showing people that you care. So we, you mm -hmm. talked about empathy earlier. Um, that's what has evolved me into an agent that like I, I can, a lot of people when, when they go and they buy and sell real estate, they don't really want to tell you that like everything. So you almost have to pick apart and you, you probably hear this They're from top agents. Yeah. They almost feel like they're getting like uh, scripted, right? Yeah. Um, which I, I think it's great. Uh, scripts are great. Uh, they're they're a great foundation, but you, you can't just be using your yeah. normal car salesman script on somebody. Um, and you also have to care. I think that the caring shows that you are also human. Yeah. Um, and we, in a sense, when I go on listing appointments, like I, I tell them, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna take my my real estate hat off, my advisor hat off, and I need you to catch me up to speed 
on what's happening with your life because I need to know like like what, what what's going on in your home like what's going on with your family who who's going to make the decisions for this and ultimately how can we bring that real estate part back? It'll be a very sensitive conversation to have. Yeah. So it's like you know I I, wear, I hear this all the time that, that real estate agents wear a lot of hats mm-hmm. and I think that's absolutely true within more than just that industry but I think it's it's very true within the different kinds of hats that a real estate agent has to wear. Yeah. And it, I think it aligns a little bit with a lawyer but they have to care about a lot of the legal professional very strict and serious stuff that they can't make mistakes on but then they have to have this translation and communicatory fashion to the client and be a therapist yeah. in a way. Be not not necessarily just therapist, but friend. Because they don't, like a therapist looks to try to maybe steer them out of a rut. Where I would say the friend does the similar thing, but hears them out more than they try to talk and, and lecture. Yeah. And so, and that's just two of the more than that. I mean, you guys deal with a number of different scenarios to where you have to adapt that personality. Yeah. And it, it honestly really just comes down to the conversation, I think. Um, I don't think actually, I know that in the beginning when I was going and I was a young agent, I was doing more talking than I was listening. And it's mm-hmm. funny how they say, you know, uh, what, once you start getting older, you start getting a grasp of like shutting your mouth more and yeah. just listening to the room. Right. Um, I've tried to do that as best as I could, um, without bringing real estate involved into the conversation when the time is right. And that's usually with a question with like, Okay, so tell me where you guys think you're at now with the real estate market, so I can inform you. Um, and that's kind of the the either the the change in conversation or even just like my 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 tone of voice changes as well because I, I want to match you um, emotionally with what you're going through and what you're thinking because uh, just because somebody has to buy or sell a house, there there's a story behind it, and I think that's the hardest part for people to, to, when they, when they come into real estate, cause I think people think it's just fancy and like, oh man, you make commission checks. And, it, and I, 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 you're totally, absolutely correct there. They focus on the money yeah. very quickly yeah. because I mean, it's like when you, when you're at a, you know, say you're making $50 an hour doing something that you're fairly skilled to do, right? Well, it's, you look at $50 an hour and in your head, you have to do the math. Okay. Well, that's if I work this many hours a week, this many hours a month. Okay. I'll, I could make this much this year. Yeah. And in a real estate, agent size or somebody that's getting into the industry and, and is doing it for the money, they see, oh my God, you just made how much on that one listing? Right. And they ignore, yeah. like in their peripheral vision, all of the work and the efforts and the consistency and the emo- emotional consistency yeah. and the self-discipline and the, the the consistency even within just that yeah. to get yourself out of bed every single morning at a certain time because you don't have anybody else telling you what your schedule is and you have to design that for yourself. Yeah. It's it's the, it's a, an entrepreneurial lifestyle that's in combination with a very legal and structured lifestyle that you have to have a relationship between the two for. Yeah. And it's funny because we're, again, we're a service industry. So we, we have to provide a level of service to where it's like, you know, we, we do have a, like in a sense, like a, a service type of job, but like it's, it's outside of the realms because we, again, we are making commission off of it. So it's like, there, there's so many fine lines that you, you have to navigate through as a new agent. And that's why when I tell people who are interested in real estate, like, it, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. Like it's hard. Yeah. It is really hard. And especially in this market, it is hard. Um, the biggest thing that I would suggest people do, and I think a lot of people don't know that they have untapped potential is the fact that they, um, their biggest asset is going to be their sphere. And, and whether that's like friends or family, whether that's um, colleagues, whether that's people who are in their court knowing that, hey, this person does real estate, like I, I need to go up to bat for them. Mm-hmm. And how it looks for me is I, I have 
an amazing, I'm so blessed by my, my family and I, and my wife's family, my wife's family up here. Um, man, I'm like, like beyond blessed by them. I I've never, they talk about like the cliche of like having in-laws, like, oh, I'm going to my in-laws house. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll be straight up honest. I love my in-laws, love going to their house. I love, um, my brother and sister and my mother and father-in-law. They, they're the, in the, the, um, attachment to my business that 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 go up to bat for me even when i'm not there and so in a sense um, when you're a newer agent you want people to think hey robert does real estate that's how that's how um i kind of see it in 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 my court so whenever they're out and about or they're doing something they they hear something about real estate they're like hey my son-in-law robert does real estate would you be interested in talking with him and that not only goes to just my in-laws but like even um, my father-in-law's mother. So, I mean, she considers me her great. I was talking to her the other, actually yesterday. And she was like, I was like, yeah, um, she, I guess the, something's going on uh, over at a house. And she's like, do you think you'd be interested in talking to her? The, the person I said, yeah, that that's awesome. And I was like, yeah, I, I'd be more than happy as your grandson-in-law. And she goes, no, you're not my grandson-in-law. You're my grandson. And so it's just that, man, like I, I love my family up here, but, um, again, just having that that those people in your court your sphere that support system yeah you need people here you need to let people know that you're you're you you do real estate that's how you're going to make is your support system here and you gotta have people in your court too i think um a lot of people don't have that infrastructure um to support them they're almost like like going against the uh the waves or in a sense the current mm-hmm. of the market because it, it it's a tough market you know yeah, you know it's, it's very tough it's it's all over the place especially at where we are mm-hmm and it's 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 niche up here. Um, if you don't pivot or adjust, um, yeah, it could it could eat you alive. Like, and 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 I don't ever want to be that person who is always stagnant and wanting to do the same thing. So we're always yeah. pivoting. You know? And as, uh, I was just thinking about touching on that is it's life is not a matter of staying the same forever. In fact, it's a matter of innovating for survival. And it's survival in not a negative connotation, but survival. And that's part of the game. Yeah. That's part of the, the what is life, whether or not you consider it a game or not. Right. I've had some people that look at me and go, no, it's not a game. It's very serious. You shouldn't look at it as a game. And I go, you know what? But you have fun in a game. And when you have fun in a game, you do very well. Yeah. So in the same sense where you're trying to take this seriously, by looking at it as a game and having that be your choice in your mind frame, you're actually probably acting at a more efficient rate than you would if you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I just kind of lost it. In my no, I, I think it's it's good where, where you're coming from because, uh, again, a huge baseball fan. Yeah. The World Series is going on right now. You know, you, you have a bunch of millionaires a lot a lot of those guys are millionaires and they and they're grown men playing a child sport they're having fun yeah, yeah. they're having fun that's how life should be i think yeah. um i always have like like this mindset of like always putting like either a joke or having a laugh during a specific moment because i i, I want people to know that like i'm not a robot like yeah yes Yes, entirely. Like you said, this is a very service-based industry, and yeah. that means being you, not being fake, yeah. being attempted to be something else that you're not. That means when you go and you sit down at, with your client and you actually have a very sensitive and emotional conversation, because this is, again, one of the biggest transactions that they could be making in their life. This is something that's going to mean a lot to them, Yeah, that you're, even though it's very serious and that you have to take it serious, mm-hmm. you also have to have fun. Yeah, And, and even the times to where you're like, gosh, and I let myself down. Or I did not want that to go the, the you know my my tire blew on this on the on the street and now I'm yeah. not to my appointment where I should have been. Yeah, you have to look at it and go, did I ever have control over that to begin with? No, I didn't. 
In fact, all I am doing to have gotten to where I am is dancing with the decisions that, that I get to make. Yeah. Not that I have to make, that I get to. Right. It, it's all fun once you start leaping forward. Yeah. You know, it's like instead of instead of having the fear decision and or the fear instinct and, and taking that step back before you move forward, you decide to say, no, I'm going to fight. Yeah. And I'm going to have fun doing it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you make more efficient decisions than anybody else because you don't have to sit there and, and play with your emotions on a on a non-moving level, yeah. on a completely stagnant level. You go, you process those emotions and you go, but this is life. Yes. Then you go reflect maybe for a minute during that five-minute funeral and you think to yourself, I've got everything. Everything's going fine. I'm dealing with a hiccup. And it's the only, only way that I'm going to progress past this point is by making better decisions. Yeah. And the only way that I'm going to make better decisions is if I am in a good mindset and a mind view and I'm having fun while I'm doing all of this. Right. So that means you are in the moment. You're not thinking about, God, I should have been at that appointment. No, instantly your, your tire pops, you're on the side of the road, you're like, oh crap, this sucks. Yeah. You call up your agent or your client and you go, hey, just letting you know this happened. I'll be there as quickly as I can. I can't do anything else about it, but I am doing my best. Yeah. Hang up and you get back to it. Right. You get back with life. You don't sit here and let it emotionally take you back. Yeah. And it's funny how you say that because when you are more, I guess you could say human, we'll call it that or real um people respond to you a lot better as as clients i've had clients you know respond way better and and again i'll set the standard too when i'm on a listing appointment or i'm with a buyer um i say hey look i'm by all means i'll I'll do whatever it takes for you to be able to obviously you know to do what we need to do to get your home sold or you have any appointments just let me know Mm -hmm. i was like "I, i want you to know that like i do set time aside for my family yeah at 6 p.m yeah, six so I can get back to you after that. We can do appointments after that, um, or we can do it during this time. And I think that you touched on something there, un- unintentionally. But it's being honest. Yeah, it's being absolutely transparent. Right. So if you're going to say that you know you can't make it because you want to spend time with family, yeah, then tell them that yeah. that's the reason. Yeah. You know, I think people know when you're kind of you know even if it's not like a totally negative lot, yeah. people know when you're when you're not being truthful. Yeah. And and they may not know the reason why, sure. but they felt that. Yeah. And so if you're genuine, first off, you don't have to think about what you've said because you were you when you said it. Yeah. You know, it's And I use that all the time, right? I use I use that as an example because everyone has been receptive to that when I say, hey, at 6 p.m., I, I really try to focus on my kids. They're younger kids. And every 100% of the response has been, you know what, then don't get back to me until tomorrow anyways then. Yeah. Eight o'clock yeah. is fine. And I'm like, great. So then I, I already set the boundaries, but not only that, I set up the expectation of the client and since they already gave me giving me the blessing to not yeah. respond to them that night, then it's not a, it's not something that I need to worry about now. But I just yeah. put it on a, on my calendar as a reminder. Hey, get back to them tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is what it is. you know. And I have that conversation with agents specifically. Sorry, but my mother, um, quite often, to where it's I don't like to talk about schedules, mm-hmm. and it bothers her because she's like, well, my whole life revolves around my schedule, making yeah. sure I'm where I need to be on the time that I need to be there. And, yeah. and I look at it and go, well, trust yourself. Trust yourself that you're not going to forget. Trust yourself that you decided to write it down so you wouldn't forget. Yeah. And there's methods to not having to live in the, the chaos or the uncertainty of scheduling your future. Yeah. And so you put it on your calendar. Okay, this is the time that I... You miss it, dude. Oh, well. Yeah. You miss it. You make it up. You're going to feel terrible for missing it. I can tell you that. Absolutely. And that's another point of emotions is that it, it kind of throws to, you know, a little of an emotional spike in your in your mind. And now you're not going to miss it the next time because you yeah. did not like the way it felt to have let somebody down that first time. Yeah. And then you learn from that. And guess what? When you have that mentality, you live more in the moment naturally with no fear that you are going to make a mistake because that's all it really is, is yeah. fear that you're not going to be somewhere where you're supposed to be or when you're supposed to be there is fear that yeah. you don't 
have faith in yourself or trust in yourself. Right. That's a, a word that I've been trying to define lately. I threw that on Facebook. No, I uh, a little I, while ago too. I can totally um guess resonate with you because I again I I try to schedule out, but I go in with the intention of it not going to plan. Yeah. That's uh, that. Because then, then you're you're in a better scenario if it goes right. Yeah, I'll I'll, you know, I'll just be a hundred percent honest. I'll write stuff down on a calendar. I'll write stuff down. I'll put it in my phone. I'll do this. But every single day I wake up, I go in with the intention, knowing that it's not going to go to plan. And I say that because, um, I again, the army has taught me so many lessons, and I've had so like, I've been mentored by some of the greatest, and uh, that that's what's awesome. You know, you have guys in there that have been in there for twenty plus years, and. And uh, uh, my first platoon sergeant, so the, the platoon sergeant is the highest rated NCO, uh, the non-commissioned officer. Okay, I was going to say NCO didn't. Yeah, so non-commissioned officer, basically the, the the enlisted portion of the platoon. He's the senior leader in that platoon, and he he mans about 40. It's usually about 40 in a platoon. Um, but you are the officer, so you are in charge of the entire platoon. However, um, he is the senior leader when it comes to experience, knowledge, and all that. And when I first um, first came into Alpha Company is 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 what what we're called, um, and I went in to meet my platoon sergeant. Uh, I had planned out this crazy exercise, um, and I'll never forget it. And it, it it didn't go to plan at all, and I was freaking out to him, like like, um, hey sergeant, I this this and this isn't going out. This this and this, and he just like smiled and laughed at me, and he's like, it's like. Uh, Whenever uh, an enlisted person addresses an officer, it's it, it's kind of annoying. Um, I I don't like it, but it, it's just out of respect thing. You know, uh, you respect the rank, not the person. Um, yeah. And so he calls me sir. If it's a if it's a woman, it's ma'am. Um, so he goes, hey sir, like let me let me tell you this. Like it doesn't matter. He's like, did you did you get here on time? And I was like, yes. He's like, did you get through some of the exercises? I was like, yeah. But what about the other two? He goes, this is your rodeo. You you take charge of it. If you want them to do the exercise, then you could do it. But we don't have the manpower. We don't have the people to do it. Yeah. That he's like, is it in your control? I was like, no. And he's like, then take it out. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, take it out. Just, just do it. And he goes, can I tell you something else? And I was like, yeah. He said, you could plan the best plan. And this is where, where I said this earlier. But it, it'll always plan for it to always go south. Have your your primary your primary plan, your secondary plan, your uh, your tertiary plan. Have your contingents. Your, it, yeah. I can, and I think that's important, not only on the entire scheme of the plan that you're putting in place, but on each individual decision that you're going to make. So yeah. it's like you make a certain decision and you're like, okay, but what if I made the wrong decision? Mm -hmm. And then you start to think, okay, well, what if is exactly the question you should be asking yourself because that's what allows you to create these contingencies. Yeah. You go, you know, you drive this, I use this when I drive. It's the same kind of mindset. It's like, okay, what if I lost control of this car right now? And I was like, maybe I'm on an icy road and, I, and my tires started to slip. Well, well that would be terrible. But it's not the end of the world because right. I can still make a better decision on top of that. Um, it's something that I've, I've recently heard. I'm not entirely sure from where, but it, it has to align from with chess. I play a lot of chess. It's one of my favorite games. And uh, it's, it's, there's always a best move. It doesn't matter what position that you've been put in or yeah. what mistakes that you think you might have made yeah. or what you should have made before. It doesn't matter. There's always a best move now. Right. And if you're not here in the now, you will not be here to make that best move. Yeah. So therefore, sitting in your head daydreaming on what could have been or what should be, you're actually taking yourself away from the opportunity to do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, just a quick couple questions before we decide to end this yeah. and, and move on. 
Um, but if you had, and I want to do this with every episode just to try to keep a consistency, kind of a theme going on. Yeah. Um, but if you were to have any advice for any other agents um, that are doing something similar to what you're doing, um, what would that advice be? So the biggest thing would be networking. I think uh, we have a, a tight group here in the Coeur d'Alene MLS. Um, I think the biggest thing and in, in that a lot of agents for some reason uh, think is that like other agents, like other, I don't know. It just feels as if like some newer agents think that like other agents in the area or even more experienced agents don't like newer agents or don't want to talk to others. Like that's like not even true at all. Like that held no way to it. And I would say the biggest thing is just to network and talk. Right? So not necessarily just networking with people outside of the industry, but networking with other people to which some would consider competition, but yeah. I could consider collaboration. Absolutely. And I, I say that because there's so many experiences that these agents have in different types of markets. And then all, not only that, maybe have dealt with a transaction that you're probably going through that might be difficult that you can just reach out to. And it's, it's uh, opened my eyes to just go outside of my comfort zone and even asking yeah. for help. Cause I think that's a, it's a pride issue yeah. for myself. Um, but just saying, Hey, I, I, I need help on this. Can anybody help me out? And you know, you have people reach out. We have a, a, a private Facebook group, you know, with all the Coraline agents and, you know, and people ask questions on there, or even just like, like getting insight from experience, um, asking agents here, um, but even going outside of Berkshire Hathaway and just asking people in the local area that have been here for, you know, 20 years. Um, yeah. and like, like your mom, like she's, yeah. she's an awesome resource and man, she has a wealth of knowledge about not only the area, but just the, the real I'm gonna end up. I don't mean to take the spotlight off no. during this episode, no. but she is probably the prime example for taking other agents under her wing kind oh. of a thing. She, yeah, helps. I mean, she, yeah, she did that with you a little yeah. bit, you know, when you were part of her brokerage. Yeah. Um, it's a matter of, and I think this is a, a rule and I take these things back to a philosophical center point. Always. Sure. It's just who I am. Um, but it's a matter of recognizing that we are all humans mm -hmm. and that we are all looking for a similar truth, whether or not we define that to be something different. Right. And that it is up to us to connect and to move up in a connecting like fashion rather than to destroy each other and tr try to throw each other down. Yeah. There's a destructive path that you can take and there is a, um, a constructive path that you can take. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's very clear to see that the destructive path, it may be fun for a moment because you think that you're egotistically on the right path. But it actually, at the end of the time, I would say quickly, not, not just at the end of the road, but quickly, it becomes noticeable that you aren't having any fun. Right. And that everything stresses you out. Yeah. And that you are always in this realm of, and are they doing better than me or am I doing better than them? Is it? And it's not, your focus stops being about the empathetic right. viewpoint for your client and it starts being on the competition of another agent. Right. And it's not, that's, uh, that's the worst mindset to have as a realtor is, yeah. is, uh, you know, you need to come from, and I, we've been talking about this pretty much the whole time, but just you need to have an empathetic mindset yeah. because you don't know someone's story. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know their challenges. You don't know anything about them. But, you know, by sparking that conversation and actually trying to dig deeper to figure out who they are, will they let you in? I don't know. That's kind of up to them. But at least show them that you do. You come from like a, a world of hair, you know? And I don't think it's a matter of trying to peel back. 
and and get yourself to be into their lives or into their personal sphere. I think it's more of that you're a very genuine and transparent human being that's within their presence. And yeah. it doesn't sound like you can convince anybody of that until they've seen it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's not a matter of seeing it like maybe a certain act that I've done or a certain thing that I've said, but it's simply recognizing the, charis or the charisma and, and the overall atmosphere of my personality. Right. And so it's, it's realizing that there is, and, and I've said this a lot in the last couple of months, but speak to people with zero agenda. Yeah. Have no agenda. Have nothing that you're trying to get. No answer you're trying to pull from them. But the best way to do that is to simply be. And to have no agenda, right? That's what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Just to have zero agenda onto what you're saying. Right. Because usually when you do that, you naturally connect. You naturally come to terms with. You find some common ground. Yeah. You find something that's similar within both of your lives. or something that you can feel empathetic to. Yeah. They say something. And when you're... And within my job, I've gotten to be in privacy with a lot of people that I have no idea who are going to be. I mean, I go into people's homes and then yeah. I, I go into their most private space and yeah. and I end up eventually having a conversation that could lead me to two hours. And I have my longest one out of listening, believe this or not, um, was four hours. Oh my God. After the session. That's crazy. And it was, and they're actually going to be on one of my podcasts for Explored Mindset here soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, it's just a conversation. Yeah. Again, I brought up my, uh, my old team leader, Seth Weiser, um, mm -hmm. he always talked about coming from curiosity. Ah, yes. So I'm a big advocate for that. Just coming in from curiosity and asking questions to, to just, again, yes. being curious. You, you want to know more. Play the game of hide and seek. Yeah. Like, you, seriously, think about that. Yeah. That that's all life is. That's all life is, is playing the game of hide and seek. Wondering what's around the corner. Mm -hmm. Wondering how to get there. There's a, the, the, the devising a plan to get you there. And so when you play that in conversation, like when I'm, when I'm having this conversation with you, I didn't set up any questions. I didn't write anything down. And, and yet I'm still able to have a great conversation that lasted well beyond that we expected. How am I doing this? Because I am constantly playing this game of hide and seek with you. I, yeah. I get to seek a little bit from, or I get to see a little bit from what you tell me. And then I, I wonder. Yeah. Oh, and then I, I don't sit here and try. I don't sit here and try to come, okay, well, he said this. So I must ABC think of these questions up next. Right. No, I let my intuition play out. I let myself find curiosity yeah. from what's potentially around the corner. You don't know. Yeah. But we do have to wrap this up. Wrap it up. I want to do a part two with you. All right. And so let's get that on the schedule. Um, obviously, we have a lot to talk about. We got a great background of who you are, and I think that was excellent to, to kind of lay out and then a little bit of, of kind of the way that you do things. Yeah. I want to dive into more of the real estate side of your life a little bit, and so that, that'll be what our part two episode is in. Let's do it. Um, but so. um, this has been episode three of Interviews with Realtors by Skylight Tours uh, with our guest, Robert Quezada. My name is Turner Sutton. I'm the owner of Skylight Tours and the host of this podcast. I don't think I said that at the beginning, so that's funny. I think you did. Uh, did I say my name? Yeah. Oh, oh well, I don't know if you said it. I know I said the you interview said, part. Yeah, I knew yeah. the interview. So. But, okay, well, now people know who I am. Yeah. At the, <laughs> they know at the end. That's all they're here. It's supposed <laughs> to be about you. <laughs> right. Um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I really appreciate so. it. Yes, yeah, it seriously means a lot for you to take the time. Yeah, of course. We'll do this again. Sounds good. Awesome. Mm -hmm.